0: This morning without one that I'm desperate now. Mm, I had to go and see the caterer. She'd totally, completely overlooked my mother-in-law's allergies. I mean, how do people do that and stay in business? It's beyond me. But then I had to leave so early because I had to go get to the gardens as well and deal deal with all the details with them. It's just crazy. All the tiny little things, you know, and the devil's in them, but, you know, it'll be perfect when it's perfect. (laughs) I'd do anything for Jasmine too. She's just the sweetest thing. Oh, and she, there's no way that she could have done it on her own though. She's travelling all the time with work. It's crazy. But she's so appreciative. So it's good. Mm. Thanks for this. Mm. No worries. Hey, look, on Friday I've worked out what I need you to do. I need you to go to the, gar- uh, the florist rather, and pick up all of the flowers and take them over to the gardens and drop them off. And then, after you've done that, you'll need to go back and get the cake at 2. Now, she is really particular about the 2 o'clock thing because she says she can't finish the cake before then and she's got to go get kids from school, so you can't be late. Are you getting that? It's really important, Abby. I mean, you have to get the flowers first so that you'll have room for the cake and you can't, there's no other time to get the cake except for 2pm. Maybe you should write it down, I'll give you a pen. Maybe Jasmine could do the flowers and the cake? No, Jasmine can't do it. She's got to go over to Singapore for a negotiations thing. Her work is just ugh, crazy. But anyway, so no, she won't be back until just before the party. Thankfully, being laid back runs in Jack's family, Ryan is just so relaxed about it. Maybe Ryan? Mm. Ryan? What? I'm sorry. I have to go do this. Oh, Wow. Really? I, I, I mean, I know I shouldn't be surprised, but I didn't think you'd do it to me this time. I thought, I thought things had changed with you. I thought you'd finally grown up. You don't understand. It's I, No, I understand. I understand that some people are just purely unreliable. You know, Jack even warned me not to trust you again, and I stood up for you. This is the thanks I get. You are so consumed with what's important to you that unless there's something in it for you, you try to find any excuse just to wriggle your way out of it. Well, thanks, thanks a lot. You know, sometimes I can't even believe we're related. Sasha, I wasn't expecting to. Yeah, have no, to- but you think the whole world revolves around you. Everyone has to help you out, but the minute somebody else needs something, oh no, I can't possibly manage it that because is not you are fair. selfish and ungrateful. You know what? Don't bother coming to the engagement party. Jasmine only ever invited you to show she was grateful. And that was a favour to me. You know, I wish I had a sister who understood that relationships worth having take give and take. You know what? I will soon. Sasha? Jasmine is nothing like you. I can't wait to call her my sister. She's the sister I've always wished for.
1: So today we just want to ask a very practical question. What do you do right now? This is the question that we're asking today. We've all been in this situation, in this moment that Abby is in right now where her heart is breaking and there's struggle and there's torment. But as Christians, what do we do right now because I think these moments in our faith matter as much as just about anything you know in our faith life we talk about the big things all the time and the big moments and the grand things in God but I think sometimes it's these small moments it's these little unseen moments that are going to affect our faith and our journey and our our walk of maturity just about more than anything But I'm going to let you know something that's a stone-clad guarantee. If you haven't been offended like this, like Abby has been offended uh, yet this year, you will be before the year is out. And if it's not before the year, it'll be before the month. And if it's not before the month, it'll be the week and maybe even today for some people. And the reason for that is we live in a world that is broken. Uh, We have a... um, we reflect the, the image of God, but we do it in a poor way because of the sinful state that we're in. And again, it comes back to that question of what do we do here at this very moment? What does Abby do now? I don't know what you would do in this moment. Does she cry? Does she weep? Does she rage? Does she get on the phone and, and talk to somebody else angrily? Does she get counsel? Does she get support? Does she seek revenge? Does she push down her emotions? How does she take godly steps to working this out? Because what you choose to do at this moment can often be the difference between a free life and a life that is bound up. Don't miss this for one second. Your ability to make a decision that is right and godly at this moment can be the difference between a free life and a bound up life for you. Let's pray. Lord, we just pray today as we head into this topic, this question of what do we do with a fence in our life. Lord, we pray that you would just reveal your spirit, your truth to us and a means, God, of moving forward that allows us to enter into that free life that you want us to live. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay so we're going to just keep going now. I'm just going to put this on this side if that's all right. Thank you. And um, just keep looking at this topic of offence and how we keep moving on. First thing I want to say is this one, your emotions are not evil. Uh, Your emotions are not evil. Again with Abby there, uh, Christians can sometimes get themselves in a sense of guilt when they look at or, or or in the situation that Abby was in over there as they struggle with feelings that are flowing around, you know, feelings um, like sadness and, or anger or guilt, uh, sometimes, sorry, guilt arises up in Christians because we feel somehow that we shouldn't be feeling that sort of stuff, we should, we should just feel love that a Christian should immediately be able to just snap out of something, that we should never have any issues rolling around in us. And I just want to simply say at this point that Christians, uh, that emotions are not evil. Uh, This is a big part of what Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is about coming up in a couple of weeks' time. We just get to explore emotions from God's perspective. God gave us emotions. But what do they do with us? Do we get bound up in them? Do we push them down? Again, oftentimes... Christians in the past have been told, just push them aside. Don't acknowledge anything that's going on inside of you, whereas maybe the best thing that we can do at this point is just acknowledge that I've been hurt, that I've been wounded, just to talk that through with somebody else and acknowledge your own emotions. And again, we'll be talking about this in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. But then, obviously today, we're going to talk about this word forgiveness as we move on. I really mean, um, when I say forgiveness, I really want to say begin to forgive because it is a process of forgiveness. For Abby, as she goes through that situation and every one of us have had our own situations that we've gone through, we'll have to walk through a process of forgiveness. Uh, uh, Sometimes these things can be quick and easy. So I don't want to make them a big deal. Sometimes you can make a quick choice to forgive and you move on and it's yesterday's news really quickly. But other times, in a conversation like we just saw happen there with Abby, that's a big deal in a family. She's now not invited to an engagement party. That's going to go on for a long time. That hurt will fester. That hurt will be real for her. And that process of forgiveness isn't going to be something, I don't believe, something that she will uh, get complete closure on in just a moment. But she can begin the process of forgiveness. We're going to really base everything we say today out of a, a very famous scripture uh, that shares all about this. It's in Matthew chapter 18. And I wonder if we can just pay attention to the screens as that scripture is uh, played for us. Peter got up the nerve to ask Jesus,
2: Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or sister who hurts me? Seven? Seven? Jesus replied, Seven? Hardly. Try 70 times seven. The kingdom of God is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servants. As he got underway, one servant was brought before him who had run up a debt of a hundred thousand dollars. He couldn't pay up, so the king ordered the man, along with his wife, children, and goods, to be auctioned off at a slave market. The poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. Touched by this plea, the king led him off, erasing the debt. The servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants, who owed him $10. He seized him by the throat and demanded pay up now. The poor wretch threw himself down and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. But he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. When the other servants saw this going on, they were outraged and put a detailed report to the king. The king summoned the man and said, You evil servant, I forgave your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servants who asked for mercy? The king was furious and put the screws on the man until he paid back his entire debt. And that's exactly what my Father in heaven is going to do to each one of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally
1: anyone who asks for mercy. So it's a tough story, that one in Matthew 18, and some pretty profound observations of what happens if we don't make the choice to forgive. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Let's unpack some of the truths that are in that story. The first one is this. It sort of yells at at us pretty clear. Because I have been forgiven, I can forgive. Because I've been forgiven, I can forgive. The foundation for us to be able to forgive others, the multitudes of hurts and wounds that we have, is the fact that we've been forgiven ourselves. And because we've been forgiven, we can then forgive other people. I want you to again picture that story. We have the guy there; it's got a massive debt. The Message Bible says it's a million. Sorry, it's a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, different scholars say it it could be millions of dollars it doesn't really matter the point is it was impossible for him to be able to pay that debt it was it was too big for him to be able to pay it and let's just really pause for a minute and really get the heart of what the scripture is talking about because it's talking about you and me you and I owe a debt to the king see this is where we have got to go when we're in that position that Abby's in At some point we go to this place, I owed a debt once, I owed a debt and that debt was an unpayable debt, it was a gigantic debt, it's compiled of every sin that we've ever done, this every negative thought that we've ever had, it just comes because of the fact that we're born into sin and we're separated from God, we have this gigantic debt that we can't pay and you and I, if we worked as hard as we could, if we did all the good stuff, if we helped... um, uh, and did all the serving that was supposed to be done, if we never had negative thoughts, no unkind words, if we gave all of our goods to the poor, if we helped old ladies across the street, if we did everything we could from this day on, what, no matter what we did, it wouldn't be enough to pay off the debt that we owe. We can't do it. We can never pay it back. And why does the king in the story forgive the man? Or, or the question for us is, why does God forgive It's because of Jesus. The debt didn't remain unpaid in me. The debt that I owe God did not remain unpaid. The debt that you owe God does not remain unpaid. It is paid but it's paid by Jesus. Jesus pays the debt. He pays what we cannot pay and this is such a key to us as we're beginning to work through the process of forgiveness is just dwelling on meditating on the fact that Jesus forgave us. And I would just emphasize this point that we meditate on this fact that Jesus forgave us. Maybe it means going away, taking some time out, reading some of the stories of his death on the cross, but remembering the debt that you've been forgiven from because isn't it interesting in that story of the unmerciful servant, we feel like shaking, if you're like me I feel like shaking that servant and saying don't you get it, don't you get it, don't you see what's going on here, don't you see how much you've been forgiven of, but don't you get it, don't I get it, we're that servant and we don't get it sometimes and the reason we miss it I think is because we're forgetful about what God has forgiven us of. So take some time and meditate on it and allow then that grace of God to touch your own life, that memory of what God's done to touch your own life. Hebrews twelve fifteen says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Don't you love that scripture? It just simply says, don't miss the grace that's available to you. There is a grace, an undeserved favour available to you. For Abby in that moment, if she's a follower of Jesus Christ, ultimately there's a grace that's available to her and the scripture says, don't miss it. And one of the ways we can not miss it is by meditating on what God has done for us and letting that impact our own life and letting that forgiveness pour into our own life you have been forgiven so now you can forgive perhaps even the most outrageous treatment you can forgive with God's help though you've got to reach that point of understanding what you've been forgiven from we're guilty just pushing the point we're guilty of every sin imaginable how about this we're guilty of the unjust execution of the son of God remember God forgave us for executing his own son we can be forgivers because we've been forgiven. We've got to get a hold of that forgiveness in our own life and there's such an important point for us in moving on in our own forgiveness and that's understanding his grace for us. But I can't go on in this message without talking about the second truth that is in that passage and it's a chilling truth, it's a disturbing truth because scripture doesn't, make this forgiveness that we walk into a negotiable point it doesn't say look here's an option Abby it's optional for you to begin the process of forgiveness it's optional whether you can let this person go or not in this situation if we read on that story and we've just seen it we find out that God takes very seriously to us when we don't forgive but we have a problem and the problem is we don't like to forgive Again, if you're like me, we're all the same. We like to get revenge. We like to get our own back. I know I don't always like to forgive. I bet you're the same as well. We, we have this thing inside us that wants to exact justice, to exact punishment on other people by withholding our forgiveness. And when it comes to forgiving others, what God has done for us seems to disappear. And we say, but they meant it. They hurt me. She spoke about me. You might say it's too hard or that it's too much but if we receive the grace that's in scripture we also need to get the other warning that is in scripture that says the forgiving sorry the unforgiving become the unforgiven the unforgiving become the unforgiven again picture this story again the servant receives forgiveness from the king and he's basically dancing out of the king's chambers just like we would have been receiving salvation. He's free and he's dancing down the street. He's excited. The king has forgiven him as he's skipping down the road. We saw it in the story. He sees somebody that owes him $10 and he grabs that guy and says, you owe me 10 bucks and I want it now, pay up now. And the other guy, interestingly, knows that he owes him that money. And again, I just want to emphasize something here I think is important in this whole deal of forgiving somebody that's offended us the other person did owe them see sometimes we think forgiveness is all about when the other person makes a mistake or when it's a little bit of a gray area do they or do they not owe me you in your life will be offended against people will do things to you and they will owe you technically that guy did owe him ten dollars There was no dispute about that. You are owed. Sometimes we get hung up on that. We think, well, I actually am owed. It actually did happen. I actually am in the right. But that isn't the point of Scripture. The point of Scripture is to say, look how much you're owed compared to what you were forgiven. Now, I want you to express that same forgiveness. And so this guy says, no, I want it now. I I want my money back. Again, we find ourselves in the position of that unmerciful servant quite often where we demand graciousness for ourselves, like he did God just forgive me God you know my heart you know the things I'm going through forgive me but when it comes to other people and what they're going through and their struggles we want to hold them to account we want to see justice happen we say I want you to pay up I want you to owe me you hurt me you wounded me I deserve to be angry, what you did was wrong, I'm going to be mad, I'm going to make you pay for it and sometimes if it's not overt, it's subtle, like just not talking to that person or just not inviting that person, just beelining around that person. Well I want you to let this impact you because look what happens. In the story the king hears about what the ungrateful servant did and he And he calls him back and he says, you evil and wicked man, I forgave you a debt you couldn't pay. I forgave you a debt that you never could pay. Why would you not have mercy on your fellow servant who owed you so much less than you owed me? So he threw him away to be tormented. In the message that we've just read, it says, put the screws to him. Put the screws to him. In other words, that guy went on and was tortured because of the unforgiveness that he showed. This is big stuff here it's got to challenge us here this morning the idea is if you are not forgiving at the very least you need to understand that you are creating a torture chamber for yourself you're going to build a wall around your own heart if you hold on to resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness you'll build a wall around your own heart and a prison for your own self it's not an isolated teaching Matthew 6 14 says, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive you. And there are plenty of other places in Scripture. There's another quote. It says, as long as we're unable to forgive, we keep ourselves chained to the unforgiving. We give them rent-free space in our mind, emotional shackles in our heart, and the right to torment us in the small hours of the night. C.S. Lewis says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. So we must forgive and we can forgive by receiving His grace and His power by meditating on His forgiveness as our powerful first step. In the time I've got left, I just want to touch on a few other thoughts that I think can really help. The next one is this, forgiveness is not an emotion, It's a decision. Forgiveness is a decision, not an emotion. I think sometimes we think, okay, I'm going to dwell and meditate on the love of God. I'm going to accept His grace into my life. And when I feel the love welling up in me, when I feel loving and supportive, then I will begin the process of forgiveness. Then I will forgive the person that's done this or that to me. That's, again, not how it works. Now, I've just sort of stood up for our emotions a little bit earlier and said we shouldn't ignore them. But we also shouldn't let our emotions lead us. A good friend of mine, he says, our emotions don't get saved when we do. And I think that's a great way to put it. Our emotions won't always lead us in the right way. We can be aware of them, but they won't lead us in the right way. Sometimes we simply need to make a decision. We take a step of faith. Sometimes it's as simple as speaking it out. I forgive that person for what happened. I forgive them, even if our emotions and our heart is in turmoil at that point. When you talk to people who have gone through serious issues, and, I, and by that I mean some of the more serious ones, I do want to emphasise again though that that is a journey that some days they'll tell you, I've had conversations, some days i wake up and it's easy and it's no problem and I feel love and gratitude. And that might go on for a week and then for the next week, inexplicably, I'm back in that same place struggling to forgive. But their journey of forgiveness has always been one when every single day they just keep saying, I forgive. And every day they keep making that decision to forgive. It's a decision. Of course, in this, we're going to leave God in control. I think this is a real big help. Romans 12, 17 says, don't repay anyone for evil be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone do not take revenge my dear friends but leave room for God's wrath for it is written it is mine to avenge I will repay says the Lord that is such a key for us again as believers because you will have heard the saying don't get angry get even that makes sense in a worldly perspective But again, you can spend too much time wasting your time trying to work out how that person's going to get it in the end. How I can prove to that person that they're wrong and I'm right. How can I make circumstances come together so that everybody else sees that I'm right at the end of the day. But the scripture tells us leave it in God's hands. God's in control. God's got this one sorted out. Now again, I think that's great thing wanting justice is not a bad thing it's actually I think something in us that God has placed but we ultimately leave that up to God now again it doesn't mean it's wrong for you to want justice to take it to an extreme and this is an extreme somebody hurt one of my children I would want justice there would be nothing wrong with me wanting justice but I would still ultimately leave that to God it belongs to our legal system which is under ultimately God's control anyway. It doesn't belong to me, that belongs to God. God promises to make things right. And so we let it go and leave it to Him. Proverbs 20 says, Do not say I will recompense evil, wait for the Lord and He will save you. So take it to God, know that justice will prevail, that God is the judge and begin to let it go. And here's another one and I think this one, and that can really help. Overcome evil with good. It's actually the next scripture in that Romans passage. Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What does that look like? What does it mean to overcome evil with good? If you begin to do this, it's the greatest demonstration that you're living by faith, that you're making active decisions to begin to forgive. What does it look like to begin to let go and overcome evil with good? A few levels here. Firstly, do good. Firstly, find ways to do good, but do good in areas that aren't even associated with the hurt that you're feeling. I I was so helped by this by uh, a pastor, Wayne Kiddero. We've had him speak in this church. And I remember somebody asked him a question. How do you handle it when you get challenges and somebody hurts you in some way? And he says, what I do often, I'll immediately get up and I'll find some means of doing good. Not even related to that situation. He says, I'll go somewhere and I'll serve somewhere where in a way that nobody can see me, but I'll just go and do something for someone else. I'll go and bless somebody. I'll give uh, money into an offering. I'll do something that just in this world overcomes evil by doing good. I'll find a way to do good. And I think that begins to release your spirit. It's not even about the situation, but it's a great first step to begin to do something good. I was with great um, uh, friends of this church. They're in this church. They're here actually this morning, just a few weeks ago. I won't mention their name, but they were telling me of a really difficult situation that they're going through at the moment. And then they told me that we have another opportunity has come along alongside where we've got the opportunity to serve at present. We have an opportunity to begin to give out and we've decided that we're going to do that despite what we're going through. And I think that is such a great key for us to be able to find our opportunities to take the chance to say, God, I'm going to do good despite the circumstances that I'm in. But then take it to the next level and do good for the person that has hurt you Proverbs twenty-five, twenty-one says, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he's thirsty, give him water. For so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head and the Lord will reward you. So what it's really saying is this, bless those that mistreat you. If he's thirsty, buy him a cold drink. If she's hungry, fire up the barbecue. If he's broke, secretly deposit some money into his account. If she's lonely, if you can, give her a call. I mean, imagine that for a moment. Imagine that sort of Christian grace, which I believe is available to us. Imagine us actually actively doing that stuff because you do it and you start to overcome the evil that wants to torment you and keep you in your spirit as you actively act out in faith and do good for people. Now, all of this takes wisdom and timing. In a message like this, we go so fast. I, I I'd want to emphasize that. There are times when it wouldn't be appropriate to just sort of go and shove a cake in somebody's face after some issue has happened. You need some wisdom and some timing about some of these things and maybe you need to get some counsel about that. But beyond anything else, what a great blessing, what a great example in your heart if you can actually love people and express love to people even in times when there's difficulty. And by the way, who's going to be suspicious anytime you get a gift now? In the next, uh, in the next week or two, have I offended that person? And here's a massive step, and it just goes along this whole line. Go to the person and ask for forgiveness. Again, it's going to take wisdom and counsel. There'll be times when that isn't appropriate, but going to that person and saying, "Will you forgive me?" Now, you might say. I didn't do anything. Well, I agree. You didn't have to have done anything. However, I will say this there's hardly a time where both parties are totally innocent. It basically never happens. Even in the example over here, uh, Abby had something that she owned in that exchange, as small as it might be. Now, again, Wisdom is required, but having the grace, the humility to say to that person, will you forgive me for any part that I've played in our conflict and what's going on between us? And you'll find a release that comes. Now, it doesn't really ultimately matter the response of the person. Most times that person will respond with grace. It'll be a help in their journey. But even if they respond negatively, as far as it has to do with you, you're living at peace with other people. And then if the time is right, you can begin to work through reconciliation. So we forgive because God forgave us. We forgive because God's in control. We can make a decision to forgive and we can overcome evil by doing good. In finishing here today, I simply want to say in Matthew 18, that that servant didn't get another chance. The king found out about his unforgiving attitude and threw him into jail. But here this morning, we get another chance. You here today, I here today, we get another chance. Refusing to forgive is a great indicator of your walk with God. We, and rightfully so. We talk about some of the basics. Are you in a group? We talked this morning about do you serve somewhere? Have you given of your financial resources to God's work? These things are important. But I think some of the baseline indicators The ones that matter maybe the most are simply some of these basic things. Do you forgive people? Do you show the love of Christ to people in those difficult times? Can I also say that some of you here need to start at the beginning. You desperately actually just need to be forgiven by God. Maybe because you've been holding on to hurt and resentment in your life. Or maybe you need to be forgiven by God just for that that first time, that first coming into relationship with God. See, God's been offended by all of us and He sees the places deep in your heart. He sees the dark that has never seen the light of day and He says, I see all of you, yet God doesn't run from us. God doesn't get offended at us. In fact, God reaches out towards us through His Son. He sees those places where you struggle, where you hurt, where there's darkness, where you question, where you doubt. And he says there's forgiveness available and he doesn't run. God doesn't run. He has mercy on you. God doesn't run from you with the filth and the hurt and the woundedness you have in your life. He doesn't run. And for some today, that is the starting point that you need to take, that you need to be at. Just understanding that I am forgiven by God beyond anything else. I'm forgiven by God and that lets me have the ability to forgive. Some of us have been Christians for a while and by all appearances you're looking good. And very few people would suspect even this morning that you've got resentment and bitterness and anger festering in your own heart. And what you need this morning is to take a hold of that grace that's available to you to be released into your life. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the practicality of your word, how it teaches us, how it speaks directly to us. And God, we just take a moment right now to acknowledge ourselves before you. Lord, I pray first for those that are in that position of needing to be forgiven maybe having never come before you and asked for that forgiveness God I pray Lord that your grace would pour down into their life God that they would see themselves for who they are Lord and call out to you that most high God that God that extends forgiveness that they would put their faith and put their confidence and trust in Jesus Christ Father God, we thank you for the forgiveness that's available. And Lord, I pray for each of us, God, that continues to need to forgive. Lord, we pray for your overwhelming grace to be in our life, God. Lord, let us walk through that process of forgiveness, the season of forgiveness, God. God, give us a grace that overwhelms us. Lord, we we repent even of the times And the moments, even the now moment, God, we're holding on to things. God, we recognize your forgiveness of us and we let go and we begin to forgive. But God, we need your help in that. We need your grace as we step out in obedience. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we're done here this morning. Perhaps you prayed that first part of the prayer for the first time that you just need forgiveness in your own life. We would love to talk to you if that was you here this morning. In fact, it's really important that I talk to you or one of our pastors talk to you. Please come and make yourself known. If you'd like further prayer, particularly on this topic or any topic, we'd love you to come forward as well and we'd be more than happy to pray with you. We'd love to see you tonight at Equip. It starts at 5 o'clock. Otherwise, please head on over to our coffee shop. Bless you.